Yo, yo, welcome to Art Pays Me. Sorry for the delay, folks. I know it's been a few weeks and I'm way behind schedule, but uh, I've been super busy and I'll, I'll talk. I'd be able to share at least some of the stuff that I've been working on because I, I still got more things cooking that I can't quite get into yet. But uh, yeah, I've been doing all kinds of stuff from uh, even doing some uh, in front of the camera stuff on film sets and just really dipping into my uh, <laughs> multidisciplinary uh, bag, if you will, if you will. So uh, first thing I want to get into is I want to talk about a gallery opening that uh, I'll be participating in. I, I was uh, part of the um, 2021 to 22 mentorship program that Visual Arts Nova Scotia does and uh, I got to to participate as a mentor as some of you might have heard with my episode uh, with um, Bo Minaji who was uh, my mentee during the program so uh, this exhibition will be able to highlight some of the things that all of the uh, mentor mentee pairs uh, sort of came up with and and uh, you got a chance to to see uh, the incredible work of all of the mentees and and some of the work of the mentors as well, uh, and um, uh, the emerging artists that uh, featured are Jesse Fraser, Bomanaji as mentioned, Jake Coyote, uh, and Nancy Chazon, and then uh, the mentors would be myself, uh, Bonnie Baker, Jen Peacock, and uh, the incredible Louise Pence. And if you want to see the opening, now this is short notice. Uh, it's at the Craig Gallery in Dartmouth and Alderney Landing, and it opens at uh, 5.30 p.m., and it goes to 7.30 p.m. That's tomorrow, June 30th. And uh, the whole show will run until July 31st, so you'll have lots of time to get to check it out. And then there's also going to be an artist talk by the mentees that uh, will take place on July 9th at 2 p.m. at the gallery. So you'll get to hear them talk about their work and their process and, and a little bit, get get more information about them and how they uh, felt the program meant for them. Next thing, uh, so uh, after a four-year hiatus, I'll be putting on another fashion show uh, this Friday, um, July 1st. And uh, this time it's it's actually with um, Soli Productions again, who uh, I did ment- uh, Moments in Culture with. If you all have been with me long enough to remember that, uh, that was an incredible experience. Um, and uh, Soli actually and I worked together before in her Fabric of the DN- of DNA uh, series that she does. So this is kind of a continuation of that. Uh, this time it's involving uh, One North End Academic Development Society and it's going to be a fundraiser uh, to help um, support the the economic development of African Nova Scotian Black and off-reserve Indigenous entrepreneurs and businesses. So uh, this is not a free event. Uh, it, there are tickets, um, but it, it's also catered. So uh, the the funds will be going towards supporting this this important cause. So keep that in mind when you think about the. Uh, the tickets. Um, also, uh, it's going to be a, a 
incredible show. There are a number of designers involved. It's not just me. Uh, and then you'll, we're going to have live performances from Ara Smooth, Zamani, Lyris, Asia, New Groove, and Jordan. And then uh, the uh, food that's there is going to be from uh, Franny's Kitchen and Chef Pups. So the event is Friday, July 1st at 7.30 p.m. And it's at the Lighthouse Arts Center. And that's on 1800 Argyle Street for you uh, old heads that have been around for <laughs> a long time like me. Uh, that would be where the old uh, convention center was. And then next thing I'm, I'm going to be involved in. And uh, it's the Halifax Mural Festival. Uh, I want to shout out to Prince Fuse for that one. Uh, that's going to run from July 11th to 17th. So I'll be doing some outdoor art with a lineup of some incredible, incredible artists that uh, I, I'm just like, you know, <laughs> to be named side by side and same thing with them is like, whoa, dope. Uh, so, uh, yeah, look out for that. And then I've also got an artist talk coming up on July 14th uh, with the Art Gallery Nova Scotia. So if some of you remember, I did a, I designed a, a show called Tyranny. Um, and uh, in that show, uh, I really got to dig into and see what it's like from a cura curatorial standpoint to see how curators work and, and how design plays into that and how your design can't overshadow uh, the art and so we'll be we'll be digging into that. It'll be myself and two of the uh, curators that were involved in that, and uh, we'll we'll be breaking down our process and, and getting real nerdy for you folks that are into that kind of stuff. So check back with me. I'll I'll give more updates as things go along, and you can always check rpaysme.com for all of the information for all the stuff I talked about uh, to get tickets for the fashion show, uh, and and yeah, just keep up to date on rpaysme.com. Uh, before we get into the episode with Maya Bailey, uh, I want to give a little bit of a, a content warning if you have your kids around. Maybe you might want to have them sit this one out. Um, we do use a little bit more language than than we typically hear in the show. Uh, and um, there is some reference to gun violence to, to an extent. And uh, this interview took place before the the uh, disgusting violence in Uvalde, Texas. So I think the discussion might have gone differently had it happened post that. But um, the thing that I really appreciate about Maya Bailey is is the rawness that he brings to not only his work but just as a person. And he seems he's a genuine. He seems to genuinely want to do the right thing. And he's very honest about the struggles that he's faced as a human, as a man, and what that means for his work, and what that means, uh, and for in terms of how he shows up for his community and how he gives back. And this exhibition that he currently has that he's talking about is about digging into those dark corners that uh, a lot of us would like to forget that we have in our minds and a lot of us you know we like to throw people away when when we find out that they've had certain dark corners in their past and um, he's really digging into that and channeling it into his art so 
I hope you appreciate the discussion. I hope uh, um, you can sort of see past the uh, the directness of things and and really get to appreciate the uh, the incredible work of of Maya Bailey. Peace. What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and the designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have, yeah, this one's tripping me out. We got Maya Bailey. So uh, I'm going to give a little intro because a lot of times I don't always get to talk about my early influences. And a lot of times people think about things that got me started on the Art Pays Me journey and all that stuff. And maybe what, 10, 12 years ago, maybe even, I don't know, I was just on the internet coming across people, looking for people, looking for inspiration. And I remember seeing Maya Bailey and uh, these these Atlanta cats, uh, um, Alien Craft, Corey Davis, the SNKA producers, all of that. Like I was really into that hip hop scene. And from there, I kind of found out that there was this really dope visual art scene and cats were just being loose, free, uh, black bohemian stuff and I was like this this looks like this is the dream right here so uh, and then out of there I was like yo Maya Bailey was one of those standout artists so it's really trippy to to get to to talk to you right now so thank you for being on the show uh, so what what exactly is it that you do I know you do a whole ton of stuff <laughs> man I mean first thing I do I make art that's the first thing I do I do my yeah. best to art as possible but at the same time, while I'm making art, I try to give as much opportunity as people as I can. That's the number one thing for me, man. I believe in like a, a like a karma currency. Mm-hmm. Push forward, you get stuff back in return. You know, I don't know how the hell my I just use that philosophy and everything in the life. I just float with the currency with you know with that energy. You know, and right. life been good. I can't complain, man. It kind of works for me. I give a, if I give. I, you know, if I give, then somehow I just get everything I need to go forward with my goals. Right, right, right. Cool. So, um, yeah, like this whole like wanting to define what we do and all this stuff is it, so trippy. And you're one of those people that like it is very hard to pinpoint you you down because I know of your tattoo work and all of your paintings. And then you just showed me some sculpture and this new show you got seems very conceptual. So like yeah. you're going in a whole different lane, which I'm excited to see you explore. And yeah. uh, um, that's that's dope. So just for the people that don't know, you're you're based in Atlanta right now? Yep, Atlanta, Georgia, on Peter Street. All right, all right. And um, where'd you where'd you actually grow up? Ashford, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Okay, that's uh Funny, uh, I'm from Bermuda. That's like we always think of North Carolina as the uh, closest point to the U.S. From, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, man, I grew up in the mountains, man. Okay, 
to kind of like country boy? Well, it was more like hippie. Uh, it was less. It was less southern culture. Maybe like it was kind of back where well, two different parts of town. You got a racist part of town. You had like a white bohemian style hippie culture. Right. They eventually took that. That, that culture kind of took over Asher bohemian hippie style stuff. Living artists and everything right now. Asheville is really creatively dope. It's really dope. I go there to get inspiration. Interesting. So you, would you say you always identified as an artist or creative? Yeah, man. My family raised me that way, man. I never not did it. So uh -huh. yeah, man, job, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I never really had, had to work a job or anything. My parents was like, you know, if you can do it, you know, just kind of find a way to make money. And I love to collect toys and stuff as a young kid. My parents couldn't really afford all that stuff. So you know what I'm saying? I had to get it myself. So mm -hmm. I how to like make art, fill my little hobbies and have fun as a kid, you know? And it yeah. turned to round 10, I turned to a full-fledged business. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah, I was, Got you. I was on it popping at 10, man. I was like I had license and everything. I was on it. Like that's 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 wild. So was it wasn't like a situation where the school was like trying to trying to shake you down or whatever for for getting your hustle on was it no or? no i had to get full credit to all my art teachers man that's what okay. i'm doing I, my art teachers was major big influences on me you know like major major influences on me man like especially mm -hmm. my they were totally amazing women man and they was really like was patient with me and he let me do my thing, but also taught me discipline. I had to follow the rules. You know, I'm thinking I'm better than everybody at this time. Sure. You know, I'm like, I got to do all this stuff, but he taught me discipline. So the same lessons they gave me, I try to do my best to pass on as much as I can. Right, right. Yeah. You, so before we started recording, like, Maya took me all through and, and uh, showed me all the other, all the, all the, like, youngins that were, that were around who were, like, you know, his, his apprentices or people that are just learning or people who are just like dope creatives in, in, in the community and, and things like that. So, uh, and you, you like, you really live that. And I have, that's one thing I have noticed, like from the years of following you online, like there's always some like dope creative that you are promoting and, and big enough. Yeah, man. I love that shit, man. I love to see young people shine, man. You know, I always want them to do like, if we, I think about it, me and Tuki always said, man, just imagine we had us then, you know, mm -hmm. we, like we didn't have that. We had to pay the way. So it's just like, we can help it out, make it a little easier and really groom some artists. We can create more millionaire artists. That's the whole goal. Yeah. Like it's cool to make the artists good, but the goal is for them to be able to support their families, like mm -hmm. to move in, move on understand all the elements like my personal apprentices they can't just be good artists everybody good artists like yeah. it's a lot of artists like i look for somebody who is going to take the principles of business to create a system that is going to feed families and support and create jobs and make payrolls mm -hmm. you know what I'm like that's the whole goal of my apprenticeships you mm -hmm. know so they all of it not just to be a good artist that's a given. If they wasn't talented, they wouldn't be around. Mm -hmm. So to get them to be bit more business oriented, it's hard to get that. And I was luckily lucky that I was raised that I didn't have to separate the two things. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I mean, 
I didn't yeah. have to. I, I had to like it, it was hand in hand. And my mind works like if I create art. Even sometimes I have a hard time sketching because I'm like, damn, when I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna sell it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm take that off a little bit more, but the whole goal is like I never made art that didn't sell. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard for me to just make art and not thinking of it. Like I, I release my emotions in it. I put all my heart and soul in it. But I also believe like I don't give that part of myself away for free. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, yes. I'm not a, you know, like I'm not gonna just give it away. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm putting, like if I gotta live the life to live the pain, to put the pain in the art so you can feel the art, I wanna get paid for it at least, damn. Mm-hmm. For a word of- Hey, yeah, the reason like the art you can feel something. I'm yeah. doing something it's not it's not complex, it's simplistic, but it's emotional. You can feel something in it. That's because I live some life and I know how to channel emotions in my art. Yeah, no that's, matter- something, that's something that I, I think about a lot too. Like um it's way beyond how well you could draw and all that kind of stuff. Like, what yeah. do you bring into the table emotionally and that people could connect with? Yeah. Yeah. My whole thing is just like, it's, it's like freezing emotions. Mm. Emotions I might can't express, like I might can't be able to express an emotion, right? Because yeah. they, you know, like, damn, I'm frustrated, but I can't talk to someone like that. I might got to calm down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Like, damn, man. So how can I get this frustration out? And sometimes I can get it better out. I might channel it, wait to the perfect time, hold it up. And then put it in a tattoo, put it in a painting, or put it in a drawing. Mm-hmm. And then the part that it might, the drawing might be something simple as a bunny rabbit, right? Yeah. But it's something about the bunny rabbit that you feel, right? That you yeah. felt something because I had something pimped up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had to handle it in, a, in another way so I don't hurt someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> Feelings or physically, you know what I'm saying? I want to yeah. make the difference. I don't want to hurt yeah. nobody's feelings, and I don't want to hurt nobody physically. No, no, it, it, that outlet is is necessary. I I noticed that with me, for instance, on social media, when I feel like I want to get out and just go after people, I'm like, you know what? That means I got a lot of information to share right now. That's a painting right there. That's a T-shirt. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's something else that I could direct that towards and not waste it on these like weirdos yeah. on the internet. Yeah, exactly. So um, City of Ink, like when did you start? Did you, are you, did you start City of Ink? Yeah, me and my partners did all together. It was a collective. Okay. Me, Tuki Carter, Chris Carter, like Chris McAdoo, Corey Davis, Melvin, like Sophie, it was a lot of us, man. It was a whole bunch of us, man. Like it was a we we had a nice little a group of team. It was our, us and our apprentices, Samba. Like it was a lot of people, man. Like it wasn't just me. It was just like I was mostly like the spokesman, I guess. And I and I was really good at organizing business. I was the business person. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We all and, and I was good at marketing. Mm-hmm. So. Like that was my part of the family. Well, we all did a job. Mr. Soul, everybody did a played a major part at the beginning of the city of Ink. You know what I'm saying? 
And we all had to take advantage of situations the best way we could. Some of them was like, hey, I'm going to do music. Some of them was like, yo, I'm going to go off. We all had used, like, once that popped, we all got a chance to just go and do our thing. You know what I'm saying? Felt like it was expectations or we was like new addition or something. We all mm-hmm. got to go out. But when it's time to come together, we got to be, you know, we got to be just, you know, temptations again. You know what I'm saying? New yeah. <laughs> no, that that is true. Eh? Like, because the, the the thing is, if you knew you guys, like I knew, I knew some of Tuki Carter's music. I knew some of Corey Davis's music. Uh, it, but then, like, to figure out the actually dope visual artists uh, yeah. on, on the other side of that, and then to know that there's actually like this business behind all of that too. It's, it's, uh, I honestly surprised you guys didn't have like a reality show at that time. Cause it probably would have been. Done uh, oh no, no. So we turned that down. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, do you, like we was at the point making more money than it was offering us. Uh, so what would be the point? of doing that and then your brand got to get like a little now everybody got an opinion about you True. think of reality show somebody got to be the villain mm-hmm. somebody the guy somebody got to show their baby moms your family on there. <laughs> yeah like it's they don't just get they get your life right and less about mm-hmm. your art more about your life so people have an open opinion to comment about your personal life i would uh-huh. never i can't first i don't know people to do it as brave of them but me personally I can't show my personal life like that. I believe some things seem to be separated. You know what I'm saying? I like my personal life. I really value my privacy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Cause I give my I give my all, my heart, and my feelings, and everything else. At least let me keep ten percent to myself. And that's yeah. all. Respect I, that. Everybody should do the same thing. That's how you keep your sanity. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Have a piece of uh, a piece, whatever that form is. Just keep that to yourself. Mm-hmm. It might be my family, in my personal life, with my children and shit. That's just, I just, I think that's holy and sacred. I don't want to share that with the world. Mm-hmm. Respect, respect. So, uh, your um, government cheese show, what, I, yeah. I have an idea what I think that might mean, but what does that actually mean, the, the, the word, the term government cheese? Well, it's two different things. It's, of course, it's like, it's gonna, you know, it's, it's showing you that it's kind of, it's kind of showing you the, the physical aspect of the cheese that was given to us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And we were happy with it, right? And but the thing is, we don't question things given to us a lot of times. Like mm-hmm. we don't. And growing up in the hood, we get these values and these lessons that it's good for the hood. But when you leave the hood, can you still do the same lessons apply? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, and I'm at that in life where like damn you know what i'm saying like i listen to ugk nwa uh you know what i'm saying i was grew up to like you know now it's a whole nother age where our mentality as men got us we got to step back and observe things to what we created and now like i'm constantly trying to make effort to put women in power positions okay consciously as a man trying to play my role to make sure that women getting this like a fair shake because I as a man we don't we overlook things you know what I'm saying I look overlook things all the time I don't know I'm not a woman so mm-hmm. women when they look I felt like this I felt like that about a situation and I'm like damn I don't want it to look like a boys club you know what I'm saying like women bring 
be honestly, they bring way more to the table than most men do. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be realistic, like way yeah, better. Right. Like women are just the shit. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I just think I'm tired of seeing women. I want to see women more in positions of power, so we can things can be balanced. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I just want to that because right now the culture is like male dominated and sometimes that can warp your reality because it's not balanced and we'll be stuck we'll be keep going living in the same culture cycle over and over again and women are still talking about the same things and same issues they feel uh 10 years from now i'm trying to do my part to make sure that don't happen in my circle at least i'm doing my i'm trying conscious decisions to make it where women have a safe environment feel safe to be themselves and can create the artwork they want to create. That's just my thing, what I'm trying to do. And then mm-hmm. I, got, I hope they understand, like, we got to make sure that we're doing that for the sisters consciously. Right, 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 right. So is would you say that is largely influenced by you having your four daughters or just something you've always sort of felt in your upbringing? Um, well, I was raised by all women, right? So okay. I all women that raised my great grandmother, both of my grandmothers on my my mom and my dad's side, and my mother. My mother was young; she had she was like nineteen. Mm-hmm. So these were strong, and my aunt and I had an older cousin. These all strong women, and they all raised me. And then my art teachers, my first art teacher was a woman. Mm-hmm. My she was a woman. My third art teacher was a woman in my life, and my mentor taught me how to tattoo was a woman. Okay. You understand? So everybody that had major influence on me were all women. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I gotta make a conscious decision where, like, you know, like I would, I want, I want to make sure that these, like, I don't want to put my personal projection of my reality on the women around me. But these were great women, right? Yeah. I want to make sure that these women that I've been to are also known as great women because I have some yeah. strong, strong role model examples, and they were leaders. They were the leaders. You know, my job is to make sure that they feel safe, protected, and I give them all opportunities to be great who they want to be. That's mm-hmm. my, that's as a man, I think. So I'm just mm-hmm. doing my part because I have some good women role models for me. A bit more than any man, I'd be mm-hmm. realistic. The men around me, you know, we know how they go in the system. But women were strong and they held it down in every aspect of it. So I want to make sure. I don't overlook that. Mm, okay. Okay. So that's that's interesting. Um, this 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 uh, woman mentor for that you had as a tattoo artist. Like, did you kind of see her coming up and be like, "Yo, I want to do that," or was it just like, like, how did you come to the tattoo part of of things? Well, um, I was getting so burnt out. Like, I was selling art, but the art I was selling wasn't people in my community. The people in my community couldn't afford to buy the art. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't buying paintings and shit. Um, so I really wanted to do art that I could connect closer to the streets where mm. I was making. Like I was doing t-shirts and that was hitting it hard. Like I was in the, you know, the, the t-shirts, the fashion. That was hitting hard. I always sold out of t-shirts and designs and stuff. Never had a problem, but I wanted to do something more permanent. Mm. And I started reading books about Donna Ed Hardy and all these different tattoo cultures. And I just had this vision of like, damn, man, they got all these Japanese style, they got America. 
American uh, Americana work, traditional, like all everybody got an identity, but we didn't have anything representing our thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. had African tribal work, but you didn't have like Black American work. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And yeah. I just wanted to be the artist, kind of creating that style of how you properly do a clean tattoo on black skin without no excuses. You know what I'm saying? And yep. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, like no excuses. Just do a clean, solid, beautiful tattoo. And my mentor showed me how to do that shit. You know, and I just took my that what she taught me and took it to you know another level using life experiences from there. Mm-hmm. Actually, that that just reminds me because I think if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, you were one of, if not the first, black tattoo artist that I had seen. Really? Um, yeah, I'm not first one. But no, I know I'm, you're not the first. But I'm like, I'm gonna I'm in the first generation. Yeah, like in terms of like those at least those those higher profile ones, like you know what I mean, like when uh, City of Ink, I'm not City of Ink. Um, What's the other show? I, that show came out. I can't remember what it's called, but they were in Black. Vegas. Black Ink. That's oh. the one. Oh, the one in no. Vegas? The one in Vegas yeah. was Harding. That was a uh, ink with uh ink. With, with twig on it. Yes. Yeah, he was the first black art, tattoo artist to black to be on a reality show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So twig. like yeah. I, I like it was just rare to me. Like so so like you and you saying that too, as me like getting tattoos when I was younger. And and being discouraged from certain tattoos because I'm dark skinned or, or you know things like that, and just realizing that there's just a, a lack of information for most tattoo artists for how to actually work with dark skin because they just it's not their experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it's lack of experience. Also, though, it's also got something to do with ego when they don't want to reach out and try to get information. And a lot of uh, old school tattoo artists, they don't share, you know, we believe in not sharing information like that. Okay. Like, we are, like that generation, like you got the new generation, they share more. I like this tattoo generation because now they open it up more, which still like, I'm almost embedded in keeping tattoo secrets. You understand? Uh-huh. Like, I'm like, I'm from that generation where you don't share your, <laughs> your tattoo secrets with nobody except your own apprentices. You know okay. what I'm saying? You know, or or I do a seminar and I sell it for an expensive amount of money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's not like here every day. Like I'm the one of the few. I'm old school. I don't believe in like a lot of people. We know they got to pay for their apprenticeships. It's like mm-hmm. five, no, five to seven thousand dollars for an apprenticeship. Every ninety percent of the pl- most places you got to pay for an apprenticeship. Right. Me, I believe in working that shit off. Uh huh. I, I okay. did. I, do the same way Julia taught me. I didn't pay. She was like, everybody else was like, yeah, you got me 5000 I'll do it and you can be out in the year. No, she was like, no, I'm going to keep you for a couple of years and really teach you how to do it on your own. So when you out of here, you know how to eat forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. You know? And and she taught me etiquette and morals and principles, which kept me around for 30 years in the business. Like the, So I, you're the second tattoo artist I had and like her she seems like her experience was similar in that it wasn't just about the art. It was like the whole, like, this is how you run a, a tattoo shop. Like, yeah, is that, would you say that? Yeah, exactly. She taught me everything. Like the whole thing about like, think about it. You be having tattoo artists, you have bad reps. Women can't come in a shop. They mm. being perverts and weirdos and creeps. Man, look, 30 years in the business, bro. Mm. I don't mix that shit. 
Like mm. a lady feel like she, a man should feel a man should be able to drop his wife off with with your tattoo artist like he drop off a wife with his doctor. You understand? Mm-hmm. That same honor and respect and code should be followed. You got to be it's called gentleman. I'm a gentleman tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. Like they gonna feel safe, comfortable. Like mm-hmm. they can't feel like you like on some weirdo shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and your and your and the ladies they're gonna they're gonna represent you hard because they know you're a gentleman and they're gonna recommend all their friends to you. And that's how you stay in business for a long time by not crossing lines, having your moral standards, and keeping a good reputation. You know what I'm saying? Only reputation I want people to think out about me is my is expensive. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> All yes. that, you, know you can drop. You can drop your wife off with me, bro. You can drop <laughs> your wife, drop your sister off. You can drop whoever, your daughter, everybody. I'm gonna, you, they gonna be. I promise you, my word is my bond. They're gonna be safe, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they're gonna be comfortable, they're gonna be treated with respect, and they're gonna get a beautiful piece when you have to right. worry about that creepy shit. Right. I'm speaking right. on that, I didn't, as artists around, especially in Atlanta, they've been doing some creepy shit lately. You know what I'm saying? Okay. A lot, a lot of that going around, and it's just need, me need to step up and, and somebody need to speak out on it. Uh huh. Uh huh. How do you, so, uh, like, that's an interesting that's an interesting topic like i haven't heard it necessarily from tattoo artists here but here it seems to happen a lot with photographers like do oh, yeah. try to get the girls yeah oh, oh photographers man I'm not a lot of them not saying all of them but yeah. man well i got my brother artemis jenkins like mm-hmm. i ain't a lot of photographers bro but you got you got to be stellar you got to be stellar like spencer charles is another photographer spencer charles down here artemis jenkins like it's some, you know, even Chili Chilio, it's some good photographers down here with good reps. You know what I'm saying? We don't mm-hmm. have to be, be on a little creepy shit. Straight professionals. Mm-hmm. So like you just you went back, you went to the you just named off some brilliant artists right there. Like around 2010 and all that, when I like first started getting aware aware of that Atlanta scene, did you feel like y'all was on like the brink of something special? Because like that was right before Atlanta took over hip hop. Uh, and like it just like Atlanta just became the culture. Like Fadia, my homegirl Fadia, she yeah, was the, she was the visionary, bro. Like okay. she and Corey used to work together, and she did the Broken Bougie, and she gave the culture of a platform. Mm-hmm. It was like I was like you know I just played my role on a vi- visual art part, but the mm-hmm. organized like to make the scene we was it was the music. It was the mm-hmm. art, it was the skaters, it was the fashion, it was everybody. She was the she was that nucleus in the middle that brought all these scenes together. I just played my part on the art scene part. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And mm-hmm. then, and, but man, Tuki was fresh always too. So kids, people would bite how he dressed anyway. Fashion, yeah. right? All rappers would copy what Tuki was doing at the time. Yeah, yeah. It would come. The rappers would come to Tuki and ask him what was hot to put on, and put down. <laughs> Alice for free. I wish he got paid for all that shit he was doing. Man, you know? Because the next thing he tattooed next thing you know, they dressing a little different after he tattooed style. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, like, I know for a fact, you know, I was there to see, like, what Tuki did for the fashion scene of some mm-hmm. of these rappers up, and even young designers giving them platforms to express themselves and showcase their work. He got a spot. We'll be talking about Closet. That's Tuki's spot. You know what I'm saying? A spot with young designers and stuff and do pop-ups for their lines and stuff. 
in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Because we can't forget huh. the fact aspect of it. Right. All that going. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Like he dressed, he changed, like he was Tookie was the one. Like okay, we can't be wearing a white tees and Air Force Ones no more, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like we can't, can't do that no more. We got a whole nother thing. So when it came to the visual side, like the fashion side of City of Ink, that was Tukey. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, okay. He was like that part. You know what I'm saying? Me, I was the one who's getting to find a photographer and say, shoot that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, because like, so Cameron had like made it, gave us permission to wear pink. <laughs> with the, uh, and then like, it seems like it, the, the Tukey and, and, and and uh, everybody in that scene seemed like they gave us permission to just do whatever, like just yeah. be yeah. free. Yeah, and I, I love that. Um, and and uh, it, it's been it's been nice to see like that side of it. It was just so weird because I came up in hip hop being a very specific look, a very specific thing, and all of a sudden it was like it was okay to be weird. Like it was yeah. it was fun. It was okay to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an artist, like, I just, I, I, I love that. Um, so like in, I heard you say that, um, you consider yourself a shaman or a healer. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? Man, like, I don't know, man. Like when I be tattooing, it's something else. I can't front. I can't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. Like I can bond my client. I can feel when they agitated. I can feel when they, I can feel everything going through them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And man, I don't know when they come out, it just feels like they always tell me something really spiritual or something, man. Like, you know, like when they come in the space and they be like, man, you can just feel some kind of energy in here. And I'm like, yo man, that shit feels like, you know, like we got to, like, I know people hear that. Like, and they know people don't know how to express it. Like it was a vibe, mm. you know, it's, vibe for real it's this, this, this energy getting captured in, in a space you know what i'm saying like i actually thought about that how i designed the building like i know one area in this building is going to be concentrated with intense creativity mm. one room one space what we in now you know what i'm saying so it's like we a shaman is someone that can control energy mm-hmm. you know control energy like a tattoo artist should understand, like, you got to get a, a, the whole goal in a tattoo is not just to do a beautiful tattoo on somebody, but to get your client in the zen state. Mm-hmm. You know, like, my energy I'm putting out, I want them to relax. Like, I don't want, I want them to relax. I want them to get in the zone. I want them to get them in their zone. I want them to relax. And if they can relax, we can do something beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when it's a whole bunch of, like, agitation, then it's not going to be a good session. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We both, both can be agitated. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So if you say, like, you got, you're doing a rapper or somebody like that, and they got, like, a whole bunch of the, the dudes around and all that, like, is that a no-no for you? <laughs> so I was tattooing Future, right? Yeah. I was tattooing Future, and I, I bullshit you not, bro. He had at least 20-something niggas with him. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, hold on one second. Can I answer the phone? Yeah, 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 go for it. All right, it's going to be quick. Hello, Anthony. What's up, man? What's going on, bro? Man, it's awesome, man. Thank you, man. <laughs> man, appreciate it. Thank you, man. Hell yeah, I'm on it, man. Thank you so much. Peace. 
Hell yeah. New uh, uh, <laughs> I love business, bro. And when you get the good news that you want, you just oh, try to contain my emotions, man. This be life amazing, bro. It's just amazing journey sometimes. Uh, yeah. So what like when you say that, like, is it is it because like you're one of the things I heard a couple of years ago that changed my life a little bit is instead of like when you're looking for an investment, invest in yourself. Um, that that is that kind of like where that is. It's like you make a play and now it's starting to come back. Yeah, man. It's like so in life, right? I never used. I've been working on this major business plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like my whole entire life is to this moment. What I'm telling you, like even the news I just got, it just. Ah, it just life changing news. Okay, I'm not talking about like I'm talking about money, big money news. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like life changing moves. And my whole thing is I don't like I'm a simple person. Like I mm-hmm. like all I want. I honestly all my ten is to do is to see as me is try to create as many black millionaire artists as I possibly can do. Mm-hmm. I, that's my personal goal. Yeah. I, and I want to do it because of two things. I want to see it done. It's going to help the economic system for Black artists. When you got multiple people making multiple money, creating more jobs, opportunities. Because once the artists get to a certain point, they need managers, assistants, photographers, yeah. everything. And that's creating more jobs in the creative field. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm looking at it. It's the ecosystem. And so I got, I've been working on this business plan majority of my life, bro, to show people that you, like, I'm really big on independence. Mm. Like I'm not somebody who's waiting around for grants and loans. I just mm-hmm. don't do it personally for myself. I don't, I don't depend on it. I don't mm-hmm. like the I, I think I don't know, my ego won't allow me to have another man's hand on my balls. Right, right. I can't, have, I can't have another man's hand on my balls telling me, you know, like wait around and telling me, no, I don't want nobody weighing down on me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm gonna go get it. If I want it, I'm gonna get it. Like, period. My mindset on something, I'm going to do it. So I've been working on this business plan to show up that we got a strong enough artist ecosystem where we don't need no government funding. All we need is to get abandoned buildings and we can build art community centers in any neighborhood, any city in the United States by just mm. supporting arts in that community. And it's strong and it's going to create a, in that ecosystem. It's going to be hard, but you cultivating it because you got a, a focal point on why you should cultivate it. But Peter Street Station, I call out to the community. You know, we need an art incubator place where artists can come create. People know, people it attracted people that wanted to volunteer their time, it attracted the carpenters, the, mm-hmm. the electric, the, you know, the construction companies, people who honestly, the AC people, everybody was just a shell of a building. Everybody can, so they wanted to see this done. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which yeah. showed us we had community power behind us. The art soul was the, the pay for the materials. So you had the people who had just volunteered their time off love. So now you got love stuck in the building because it wasn't about money because nobody, we didn't do it for money. We did it mm. with love. Everybody did it with the intent of seeing something, which is love. So you feel love's trapped in the building on top of people, uh, economic love for art because everybody knew that all the art we were selling was going back into this project. Mm-hmm. It took five years to do it. You see how big the building is. Well, that's the thing I was going to ask you because I, I you got the original OG. It's 100% art funded. And now I got a really? business. 
Huh? Oh, no, shit, really? That's surprising. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, it's hundred percent funded by by making art, selling art and tattoos and paintings and drawings and visual art, period. Nothing more. And we and we did it piece by piece by selling art. Mm-hmm. Now we got now we got an ecosystem plan. Now you can show people in paper by numbers and show them what it is. And now it's worth, you know, like that's my appraisal guy hit me up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay, okay. Going on with my appraisal of my building now. I know my land worth and my building worth. Now I can play with some, now I can play Monopoly. You understand? <laughs> you know, like I like my numbers, my net worth is, you know what I'm saying? Just went up. And right. it just, and that's the freedom. And my freedom is a different freedom than everybody else. I don't need a lot of space to live. I just need, you know, me and my dog. I can take care of my family financially. And uh, and I just make sure that these artists got at least a, I'm trying to make it where they got an environment where it's just stimulating all the time. Mm. And, you know, mm. like we do events and everything. So the artists, like, you know, you got to, it's hard to socialize artists. A lot of artists don't want to go out and hustle. No. Like we used to really be out there with our portfolio, with our book bags in the clubs, showing our portfolios. Now you got Instagram and social media and all this stuff that make artists lazy about going out to hustle to get their products out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I just thought of a way, hey, we do events, you bring people to us, then the artists maybe just can go downstairs and hustle and network and get and they become the clients. And those are the people who become the people that you do work on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You bring everybody. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Bring everybody to a, a focal point instead uh-huh. of you have much. I just had to rework the system because this generation is different from my generation. We used to mm-hmm. go out to this generation. You gotta, they want you to bring it to them. It's just different. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We would go getters, and they was the they wait till it's brought to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm trying to get them where okay, well I gotta meet in the middle because it's my way. It might be old school, and they way it might be new school. It's no good. It's no right and wrong. I gotta meet it in the middle. If I'm working with younger people, I don't try to make them do it my way. I want them to do it the way in the middle. I gotta learn they. I got they gotta learn my way. We meet in the middle to create a system, and so like like hey, bring the people to them. Right. So that's what I was wondering because I I knew you showed me so before we started recording, Maya showed me like the OG City of Ink spot, and then he gave me the tour of this huge complex with a gallery and screen printing spots and like social spots, places to get showers and washed out, like just a huge dope ass creative space and a place to, to do tattoos. So it's like uh, in my mind, I'm wondering what is what is the play like and and now i see what i see where you're going like it's it's bigger than just oh city of ink we're a tattoo artists blah blah blah. you're creating a whole ecosystem for multi yeah, yeah uh, man multi-passion which which everybody inspire everybody we got a place where i know we got, like we got musicians to downstairs every, uh, every uh like monday nights is poetry night tonight okay. is monday right so tonight yeah. It's gonna be packed down there. It's gonna be poets, all the poets. How many places in Atlanta still you use got poet open spoken words? Not a lot left. So now mm-hmm. you got that's, that's a concentration. Then yeah. tomorrow, uh, I think, and then to, uh, before the poetry reading, we got drawing sessions. Mm. So like this time slot and this time slot, it'd be all illustrators supposed to come in, draw it down there. Then you go into the poetry. Then tomorrow it's like you know painters and shit, social painters and stuff. You're supposed to paint do your thing. Wednesday nights, we got the musicians and jam sessions. 
before that, we got the yoga. The girls come in and do their yoga uh, sessions. Mm-hmm. Then Thursday nights, we got the comedy night. Oh. Friday nights, we do film screenings. Huh. Saturday nights, we, DJ can come through and do their thing. Right. Sunday, we try to bring back our drawing sessions, our, uh, figure drawing sessions with the models. Then we right. started off, and every day, it's something different for the creative to come and do. And at the same time, to give my personal appearances a time to go out and meet other people downstairs, because we just upstairs. They go downstairs, mm-hmm. people, that's the, they're going to be their future collectors. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So they network and they're doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We got to artists. Most that's artists the other thing. Well, you you showed um you showed me some of the artwork and you said like these are some of my apprentices like this is their work on the walls here so the people are coming through and they're getting to see not just these these people doing tattoo art they they're like you can buy their paintings yeah man like one side of the building is set up for painters on one side well right now I'm sitting with the illustrators at and then you got the tattoo artists we walk in on the right hand side so okay. I if my clients walking in this place right. And they just come to get a tattoo, and you got three painters over there painting. They mm-hmm. seen these get done. They might even be interested in buying a painting by the finish they session because they sitting here watching an artist paint while they getting tattooed. Right. You know, now they getting to see the creative process, which a person who don't create art when they see art getting created in their face, this is a different experience. Magic. Yeah, to them it's magic. To us, it's yeah. we overlook. To me. Like I always say, uh, I can. I feel like I can. I I understand that as an out, like looking at as a consumer spec. If I don't know how to do something, walking in a place where everybody making art, it is like walking into a magic fucking place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. It's mind yeah. blowing. It's mind yeah. blowing to them. And that it could is, take people to that Zen spot you were talking about too. Yeah. Yeah. For everybody in focus mode. The energy is intense because you see all these people creating up. You know, focusing and creating art. It's relaxing, and at the same time, it's, you feel the energy of creativity. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, much more of your time. Take your time, brother, man. Take your time. Okay, okay. Uh, so, who would you say, do, have you had any influences? Like, or were you just like, man? Uh, man. I think, I mean, well, my art teachers definitely were my influences. Like, I would say that, but, like, known people. Like, yeah. like if I, I really, 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 um, I mean, I really love Charles White. That's my, if I had to say a favorite artist, it's mm. definitely Charles White. Um, just because um, he know how to capture emotion. He was the master of capturing uh, a feeling, man. He just see his work, you just can feel something. Mm. And Charles White is my all-time favorite artist of all time. Um, then after him was Picasso. Okay. I love Picasso. I love huh. Picasso. He was his, his life was interesting. The chapters in his life, he lived a full, full life, which made his art full and change and evolve. And I really like that. I want to be one of them artists that grow old. You can, and then you will back and see how my art evolved and changed and the eras and stuff. And people go back and really study what I was saying in my art from 20 years ago, from 30 years ago, from 40 years ago. I want people yeah. to go back study the work and understand like this was this, this part in my life what that's why the art looked like this and this part of my life this is why the art looked like this and this part of my life the art looked like this to really study it same way we study Picasso I, that's my dream just to be out of here and people study my work well even while I'm here still study it I love people to study while I'm still around 
Well, you know? I, I, I see that uh, you did an Instagram post with promoting some of the show, and there's some dude that was complaining about uh, the messaging in there. Yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be thoughtful. <laughs> this survey is going to be thought-provoking. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm exploring nigga mentality. Yeah. The whole goal, the thing is the nigga mentality of this show, man, to really be honest about it, to break it down in beautiful form, though. It ain't gonna be harsh and ugly. I want the work to be beautiful, but I want the, the but the work, the, 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 the messages is kind of ugly, but the work mm -hmm. to be beautiful because we are beautiful. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, let's don't take away that we are ugly too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We got some ugly ways that we gotta fix. Cause we too yeah. beautiful, ugly as we do. That's yeah. how I look. We too yeah. beautiful, act the way we be acting. Yeah. That, we I, yeah. Yeah, man. So I wanna, I wanna kind of reflect, you know, like me, like every every art show I do is a, it's a really an ending of a chapter. It's like my therapy session, you know, like, like every show I ever did was a, is is really a closure in my life. Everyone, and this is gonna be my sixth show, I think, sixth or seventh art show, solo show, all okay. of them. So, and but each one of them like was the focus on like an ending of a chapter from my life. The last show was mostly like heartbreaking shit. You know what I'm saying? Losing a, a friend. You know what I'm saying? Losing my best friend off ego. Mm. Out piece, ego, being egotistical and saying something I couldn't take back. Right. You know what I'm saying? Friendship based off ego and me yeah. just taking care of it, which made me reflect on like, damn, why did I say some old cocky ass shit like that to somebody who was so sweet and nice? Why would I say something like that? That had to make me self-reflect and take accountability of my nigga-ass ways sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Which mm -hmm. made me reflect all of, all my beliefs. You know what I'm saying? All of these things that we believe that could be, you know, the OGs taught us that could be bullshit what kept them in the streets. Mm -hmm. kept them in the streets. I'm trying to shake that shit the best way I can. And I'm trying to take accountability of my ways. Like, hey, man, sometimes I be acting like a hood nigga. You know? Mm -hmm. And I, and I try my best to shake that out. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense? No, no man. I, honestly, I think that's what's, that's the healing part of art. And I think that's an important thing that we as men need to do to, to grow and to acknowledge that, like, yo, we ain't yeah. perfect. And, like, yeah. we, we we fuck up. And we got them. You know, I'm in a way now where I feel like I can walk away from situations. Before mm -hmm. that, I feel away from situations you know what i'm saying like yeah. you know i just went through something you know in my life where i had to really say is it worth i do that and then i got these people dependent on me it was the mm -hmm. first time I, I thought about something in that in that kind of logic mind state usually i'm like i'm about to do this shit without mm -hmm. you know what I'm and i understand the consequences but then the consequences of now in my life where it weighs a lot you know what i'm saying like i got dependent on me so i can't do some of the things that impulse tell me to do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah, I gotta, the, gotta I, I said something the other day about like male ego being uh like a threat to human society or whatever. And would you would you yeah. say that that kind of it like for instance like you know somebody says something out of pocket to you or something whatever and you feel like I gotta I gotta respect I I have to do something uh, like yeah. physical to to make them understand like there, there, there is that's an ugly part of culture that some some of us come from, and yeah. while I don't necessarily agree with it, I understand it. 
but I'm also like, how do I move away from it at the same time sort of thing? I've been reading, I've been reading a lot of bell hook books. Okay. And I've read a lot of books about this and, and it's a battle. This, what this show was really about. A friend of mine sent me a, um, a documentary about this young man who was in prison, who was a, a he was a male teaching feminist beliefs. Mm-hmm. He was in bell hooks as a reference to her books and teaching fe- feminist views about, you know, the male ego and breaking it down a little bit. And the reason why we are so, so fill up so much of the prison because our egos are so big and our pride is so big. <laughs> yeah. The number one thing to keep us there, you know, everything we do. And also the stigma that like every man is supposed to be a provider. Like mm-hmm. that's stuck in our brain. That's brainwashing us the same way a woman might think that she got to grow up to be somebody's wife. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't never look at it in that both sides. So I know a lot of women who feel like they value is I'm almost 30. I don't got a baby yet. I'm almost 30 and I'm not a married. Like mm-hmm. that's what, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a man. damn man. Why you want to be locked down? We got a whole world to exploit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Us, we got to like everything. We got to take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. That we got to, we got, we put our own per, black men. We put our own personal feelings and emotions and everything to make sure everybody else is good first. Mm-hmm. And we take, class and that's bullshit mm-hmm. you know because that's social programming yeah you know? it, it has it has um outcomes on the other side where um you know that that bottled up like you're not allowed to show weakness you're not allowed to show emotion etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. It, it reflects itself in in ways that are unexpected so um, how, do you, <laughs> how do you do how do you be a spiritual person right like I, this would I so this show was really about that because my friend was giving me this information which I strongly believe is beautiful and it's true, right? Like we all know how to walk away from things, we have all, all this and that. But when you in a what if you live in an environment where you you can try to believe in that and you can try to teach as many other men to do it, but what about you got to face the men that don't believe in these things? And now you now you in a situation where you got to walk away or fight, right? Yeah. How many times you walk away? Until they got them, you know what I'm saying? Now you are yeah. target for it's gonna be a time where you're gonna have to face a conflict, and sometimes only people, and I strongly believe that some people only know violence. It's yeah. only what teaching tools sometimes. If you grew up in an aggressive environment and and, and a teaching tool was whooping your ass as a baby, then whooping yeah. your ass might be the only way you learn it as an adult. Yeah. You gotta, you know? Yeah. That's that is uh that that's a tough one. And I I what I'm realizing to uh, I kind of tap dancing around this, but like the Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock thing, what I kind of realize is that a lot of people maybe not have not been in that situation where the only way out was a physical. And I don't I don't think necessarily think that Will had to do something physical, but like there are a lot of situations that I've seen and been around where um, that person is not going to listen to reason and words. You either got to make a decision to to run or fight but if you run you know they're going you know the next time they see you it's, it's going to be on site every single time and they're going to know that they can get they can get you any single time every time so it's like it's sometimes it's better to even lose the fight and <laughs> just to stand up for yourself i got a personal i got a personal um i got a personal story that i ain't really shared nobody i don't think i don't think i did any interviews before but i'm i was in a situation one time i was with my old lady at the time 
and my son, right? Mm-hmm. And police was, you know, some dudes, you know, cop was doing some traffic shit. And then, and he flagged like to come on, but I guess I don't know if he did or not. But my old lady pulled up and he stopped and like, are you stupid or something? What the fuck wrong with you? Oh wow. And my son in the back seat, little boy, he little, he like, don't you talk yeah. to my mom like that? Oh no. What do you think I did? I I I know what I, I living shit out of that cop, bro. They pulled it, they almost killed me out there on Northside Drive, bro. Two of them had to come. Man, bro, they were like, yo, Maya, they about to shoot Maya on Northside Drive. That's how I stopped oh. the traffic, bro. I got out there and whooped the fucking shit out of him. And it wasn't my even me consciously doing it, because by the time I realized I was on top of him beating his ass and that gun was drawn on me, reality kicked in like oh, I don't even shit. remember the car. I don't remember getting out the car. I just right. remember beating this. They drew out on me, and I got arrested. And I had to do a couple of, you know, like, oh, I gave me like a month. But I'll never get that shit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Moment like him, he had a, I call it a nigga moment. Cause he, he probably blacked the fuck out for a second, even though he played it cool. He just had a moment. He was like, okay, everybody picking on me, man. This girl that got me looking bad out here. She gave me the look. I'm out. She already don't respect me. I got them gonna slap this nigga, man. I gotta slap this nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't. He got to take it out. If it was the Rock or anybody else, he wanted to. It's Chris Rock, bro. Yeah. This the weakest motherfucker in the world. He can slap. What, what's the big deal? You know, like he took yeah. it out on Rock, man. He took it out on Chris Rock. Would just happen to be the victim. He, he was the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, man. He said, uh, "I love you, girl." He did a GI Jane joke, and he got mad. Girl, you are you at the? Come on, man. He posted. Okay. Yeah. You know, he already knew he was gonna be the butt of the jokes if, if you went a whole year of you being a meme. Yeah. You're yeah. gonna meet your wife over here fucking your 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 son's fucking friends. Yeah. Oh man, what the hell you think you're <laughs> looking lame, bro? You Will Smith, bro. You can have anybody you want. Leave that motherfucker alone and yeah. go get you about three fine ass motherfucking young ones and stun on them. And just leave it alone, like keep it pushing. Stun on, stun on, her, stun on. Her. That's the only way yeah. I would go. I go back. I would stun on. Her. Yeah, you say I nothing. Would, I'm Will Smith. I'm Will Smith. <laughs> I'm Will Smith. I'm Will Smith. And that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Get rid of the nigga mentality. I call him women bitches and shit. <laughs> that's what it's show about. I still got my do my duality of get on this shit. I'm trying to break and shit. You know what I'm saying? But but it's the analyzation of that man. We have nigga moments, man. Just mm. like boom, we had nigga moments, and it and it costs us our life and our reputation, all kinds of stuff, man. Yeah, is old school value is. I mean, she hit if she hit your son's um, friend, man. You hold the been left. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not even a, a open marriage situation. That's just some wild shit. Yeah, that's my Hollywood yeah. shit. Yeah, don't forget you, Philly nigga. <laughs> Yeah, nigga. Not a Hollywood nigga. But uh, the Philly came up for a minute. So oh, that was Hollywood. The Hollywood slapping everything. That was Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, the full wind up. <laughs> you disrespected my lady. <laughs> oh man. So like I don't I don't know if you have the same issue that I have, but like you got a lot of a lot of different creative outputs and your creativity is also something that you just love to do. But is there yeah. something that you just do for fun? Like where the sculpture stuff is, like I ain't nobody uh, buying sculpture. 
yet. They don't know me as a sculpture artist yet. You know what I'm saying? So I'm doing that right now just because I want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And working on some like sketchbooks and stuff. You know, I do got sketchbooks, but I usually like going on the road and then like a journal type of sketching. I'll do my stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like usually stuff I do for fun, it's not art related. Yeah. Like, you know, I like toys and comic books and shit. You know what I'm saying? Movies and Marvel and Star Wars. Like, all the nerd culture shit, man. Yeah. You still reading comic books? Every Wednesday. Wait, what are you reading, though? Uh, my favorite is always going to be X-Men. Oh, uh, okay. X-Men, okay. man. X-Men. I like Avengers, too. But X-Men are my favorite. All the X-Men. Like everything from the X-Men. I'm down with all of them. All that shit. You like... Um... My favorite was the, uh, the I, I'm calling it Old Man Logan, but that's not what it was called. Um, I think, yeah, it was just called Logan. I think no, that was called, my... Logan. Yeah. Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan series with the Hulk, and they was, he ate, ate the uh, Wolverine, and Wolverine bust out his chest and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Old Man Logan, that shit hard. They were selling yeah. that, uh, yeah, Hawkeye was in it, he was blind, he was selling some dope or something. That shit was right. hard, man. That shit was hard. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, you, did you ever get into the anime stuff? Or was that like a little bit after your time? After my time, I'm middle aged now. So it's way after my time. My, my, uh, our animation was Ninja Scrolls and Fist of the North Star. I remember Fist of the North Star. Jeez. I'm 41. So I'm kind of like in that crossroad. And then, and then, and then Ninja Scrolls, bro. That's yeah, I remember that one. As we know, then this movie with the like more horror stuff was like Overfiend. Mm. You watch all that type of shit. It was crazy. This demon dude had all these like this dude had cut his dick off and put a dick got a dick his dick and put it on his. He turned to a demon and shit. And his he was going through the hospital with all these like dicks really, and they were just fucking shit hanging them up. It was just crazy, bro. It was called the Overfiend. It was a great Japan. If you ever go back, find one of them motherfuckers, boy. Okay. <laughs> like that growing up. That's yeah. all when I was it blew my mind. That's a wild culture, man. I actually got to go to Tokyo when I was uh, a teenager. And it was, it was felt like the future over there. It was different. And it was different. I went to Tokyo about five, maybe about five years ago. I saw a whole hologram. Said, it was weird, heck? huh? Tell <laughs> I was in a glasses store, man. They had these glasses that, that tell you how much steps you walked, your calories, everything, food, all this shit, man. And then it was sold, it was sold to you like a hologram was sitting in his booth. And he was talking to like just talking to you about the glasses. A whole wow. hologram. Like the Tupac shit at Coachella. I'm like, wow. wow. Whole hologram in here showing me glasses. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing over there, but it's, it's, and how do they not get it in the West? I don't know, but it seems like they're doing a good job of, fix, like, they're just ahead. They're, yeah. They're doing but something yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, and it's clean. Someday. Yeah, and it was clean. That, well, that was the other thing that blew me away. And, and there weren't even no trash cans on the street. They said they take that yeah. shit home. Yeah. They don't. Trash cans on the street said something about some bombing that happened a long time ago. They took all the trash cans out the street, and next thing you know, man, I was like, "What the hell?" So you gotta walk around trash and put in your little bag or something and take it home with you. Yeah, like I, I was in New York, and then it's like 
piss all over the place and it stinks and it's like trash and everything. And then you go to Tokyo and it's like similar size city and it's just spotless. <laughs> and they walk in harmony. They're not even, they're not even yeah. bumping each like ants. I'm fucking up, going the wrong way, wrong pace. Yeah. Yeah. Such an interesting place. Such an interesting place. Yeah, I love uh, it. I can stay there for uh, about a year. You did stay there for a year, you said? I, I could do a year. Oh, you I could. Did. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not going to stay long, way longer than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, if you uh, had, like, one piece of advice, what would that be for, like, an, and just an artist in general trying to start out? Um, start out, study the people who came before you and study they, how they made it business-wise. A lot of artists just art, you know, a lot of young artists, they just study the art part of it. Like, oh, they're good, but they don't never really do the research on the business side of it, how they got where they at, how they mm-hmm. favorite art they got to get and study their story and see how it applies to your life and get that wisdom out from that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do some research and see how somebody started and do the same thing and or change it up the way you need to change it up. And you made it without all the, the mistakes because you got the story of that person making it and follow yeah. their step. You don't make the same mistakes. Like I'll be like, man, my apprentices, they got a lucky man. Cause I done made all the mistakes business wise. Mm. So you can show and them. Now I can yeah. show straight, become a millionaire straight up. Like it's, I'm a living example how I did it. And it wasn't no, was no, it was no shortcuts. Hmm. Hmm. That's, that's, so you work with you work with a lot of like youngins and I was talking to my daughter about that. She's an artist too. And do you feel like um they undervalue their work, for instance, if they're selling something? Are they do you think they're undercharging or do you think that um you should be undercharging until you earn a certain level of reputation? Well, I mean, art so so think about artists. Artists just like a name brand. Mm-hmm. I Picasso could have did a drawing in 30 minutes and another artist that was even did a way better talented than Picasso could have did a painting and it took him three months. Picasso gonna make more money in 30 minutes than that dude did in that three months. Why? Right. Because of brand, legacy, story behind it, everything. So a young artist, me, when I was younger, I did not get to charge what I wanted to charge for my work. Mm. I, if I, if I had bills and responsibility, see, a lot of artists don't have bills and responsibility. So they be like, I want this much money because they can still stay with daddy, got money, mommy, uh, they got a place to stay. But when that art is, you relying on art to make pay your bills, you might have to do, like, I, what I do say, hey, man, I got to make $3,000. I don't know how much the young person's life is. Say $5,000. I got to make $5,000 this month to pay everything, right? Shit, I'm going to make $5,000 worth of art. Oh, okay. Got you. And try to sell it for $5,000. I'm going to break that shit down to 500 It's like dope. Like crack. Right. You break it down. If you know you make five, need $5,000 that month, then you better make a, you better break that product down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? You might have to sell a couple of dimes. You know what I'm saying? Might do some uh-huh. hundred. You might have to do some hundred. Had to do some fifties. Whatever. But when I was young and I knew my quota, I would work with whatever I could get. And I know how to design, I know how to do art in that person's budget. 
if somebody say I only got a hundred dollars, I'm not gonna say I don't wanna. My pride nigga tell me you don't work work more than a hundred dollars. I'm gonna get that motherfucker a hundred dollar drawing. Okay. Right. If somebody got two hundred and fifty dollars, I gotta do a two hundred and fifty dollar drawing. If somebody got three hundred, I'm gonna do a three hundred, five hundred, whatever. I don't give a fuck what they got. I can do a version of whatever I can do in that price point. If somebody say got a hundred dollars, that's thirty minutes of my time. I made a hundred dollars. Right. More than a damn doctor did. Right. So, oh man, get off your ego and start thinking business. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? A lot right. of artists got like I don't. I I put my heart and soul in it. Okay. I don't want to sell it means but okay. It can be sitting in your house with a whole bunch of paintings. I didn't see artists be stockpiling a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. I don't got no paintings, man. Only paintings I got still from my collection hanging on my wall in my house. I don't got nothing on the floor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't got nothing hanging out. I got I sell it. You know what I'm saying? I get rid of it. I get get it gone. If I know I got to make this much money, everything I got to go for, whatever, until you come back up again. But the more art you got in the market, no matter how much, the whole goal is to have as many pieces in people's homes as possible. If you got 100 pieces of art in 100 homes, man, you can start charging what you want to charge because the demand's going to be there. Mm -hmm. I got a rich. So I got, I don't know how many pieces of art I got in people's home, bro. Mm -hmm. Thousands. Mm. Had to be, I, I know I'm be, I'm not in the hundreds no more. Wow. You know what I'm wow. saying? I'm talking about a lifetime. Yeah. So it's all based on like, yo, I need, an, I know I need to make this amount of pieces to make this amount of money. I'm going to do, do it and I'm going to sell them shits. When I do an art show, I might do an art show and say, I want to make $60,000. I make $60,000 worth of art. Wow. So I wanted $1,500. $1,000 because I might know my price. I might know my demographics. I'm not going to go over my demographics price. Or I'm going to have a painting sitting there, right? Right. I might do highest $10,000 because I'm like, my demographics, I know they might go up to $10,000. And I know they'll go $1,500. So I might do $1,500 all the way to $10,000. And, I might, and I'm, I'm going to make that much money to make $60,000. I'm going to break it all the way down. So I'm going to have 15, I might have a whole bunch of $1,500 ones, 20, uh, 2,000, some 3,000, some 4,000, some 5,000, 6,000, 7, 8, all the way up to the 10 to make 60,000. Mm -hmm. Whatever right. my goal, whatever my personal goal is. Right. Like my, Louis Vuitton might have a little belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, you got just it. To get everybody in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because the whole goal is when somebody walk in the art show and they see a couple of red dots, the first, of course, the, the things that cost the cheapest going first, they're going to be out the way. That's just more red dots. It forced other people like, damn, there's only one left. Oh, man, that costs $8,000. Fuck, fuck. They think it, impulse, I got to have it, and they buy it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Have you, have you been in that situation um, where of the, the I've, I'm starting to really learn a lot more about the art world? I'm more of a designer than an artist. So I'm just really digging into that art side and learning there's a whole universe out there that I didn't know about. And it's like people buying art for investment's sake. Have you seen that with particularly you're, you're around these rappers and stuff like that? Are they are they doing that? Yeah. So so you got two different type of art collectors. You know, you got some people who buy as investment and they can buy, let's say, can sell later, or trade later. Mm -hmm. Got people who collect because they you know, well, I mean, well, I would say three. Got some people collect because they passionate about it. Some people might collect because that artist gonna be hot. And they just want to have it in collection. Yeah, 
You know what I'm saying? I didn't deal with all of them. Like when I knew Frank was my apprentice and he became big, people hit me up. A lot of them people was just because he was so wild, to be real with you, they were so wild. They were trying to buy his pieces up because they didn't know if he was going to stay around for a long time or not. Because he was always talking about the 27 Club. So people get around at 27. So let me buy all this shit now. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I had people up about that shit all the time about buying Frank's work. Because I'm an art dealer too. So, you know, like, okay. I, everybody, I work. Some of them, I, and I'm not, I'm not one of them egotistical artists like shit. Just because you don't like my work, I still don't make some money, right? Mm-hmm. Another artist you might love. I mm-hmm. make the dick happen and we split it up. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker paint was sitting on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I, that's that's a that's a lane I've been considering too, because particularly black artists. Like I'm in Nova Scotia, Canada, so we ain't it ain't too many too many of us up here. And and uh, I've been talking to a few black artists, and I'm like, man, you know what? Like they've been telling me there's no market for us, but I'm like, what if we create that shit? And what if I help broker that some of these deals? And you know, yeah, did Atlanta didn't have an art scene. It was all about Corey. What Corey was doing, Corey Davis. He would, yeah. he would, he was working next. He was going to SCAD. He had all the young artists, right? I know mm-hmm. how to market. He would, he would. Corey, Corey was curating the shows first. Okay. So, because he was getting all the young artists, the whole goal was to get young artists because the work was cheap, mm-hmm. and we can sell it to young art collectors. And okay. we made it. You made it feel damn near guilty not to come in. If you had some J's on. And you came in an art show and you couldn't buy a $150 painting from an 18 year old. Like, what you are you got doing? Some, you got some J's on. <laughs> so, we're going to, we going we know how to do that. Like, we're going to introduce mm-hmm. you first time art collector to first time artists. And mm-hmm. people are satisfied because the young artist price is low. And the art collector, they still trying to learn the game. So, they're not going to spend that much money. They might think $1,000 too much, but they might mm-hmm. spend $500 on a painting, right? Mm-hmm. And I made five hundred damn dollars, man. Hmm. More money than he ever made, probably. You know, some right. shit. Yeah. yeah, all about connecting the pieces. You know what I'm saying? Young collectors mixed with young artists, and they can both afford each other. They still buy it. They still got that habit of buying. Because once you start buying art, it's hard to stop. We all—it's an addiction. So, if they start buying art around the age 21, and now. We didn't cultivate it 15 years later. Mm. These strong people now with real stuff, real homes, buying their first house. What do you think they're doing? They're reaching back to that same artist they bought a paint for 200 years ago, and now they're paying $2,000 to $20,000 a paint. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They can afford that now. Now, artists blew up and did their thing. This is about yeah. connecting. About connecting. Right. And put them. right. Do you, so do you... Man, I'm, I'm, this is this is some good information. So, like, from uh, I don't know. Do you think it's better to focus on, and maybe it's it's a little bit of both. Like, focus on building that reputation, building that brand, or like flooding the market with your work and become more prolific in how much you're producing, or like, or, or is that going to make your personally, value going on? My personally thing, man. My formula always been is produce as much art as possible. Okay. I look at people like Tupac. I look at people like Bob Marley. I'm looking at people like Muhammad Ali, people who just did a lot of time, a lot of shit in that time. Span. Moment. 
you're supposed to be able to do it. If you can do it, why not do it? That's what you're supposed to do. If you got the ability to create a lot of art all day long, why not if you can't do it? It's a reason you got the ability to do it. If you got the ability to do it, that's your answer to getting with everything you want the universe wants you to have. So me personally, I know I can, like, honestly, if I had the time, I know for a fact I could probably create at least 20 pieces of art a day if I didn't have 20. Everything. Yeah, at least 20 pieces of art, paintings, full paintings a day. Yeah, I know I can, you know? Like, I know I can if I didn't have other responsibilities to divide up with. Like, yeah. I went to buy entrepreneur and shit. If I was just full-time artist, man, I can do, I could not, I got unlimited ideas. It will never stop. It just pour out of me. So, but I'm not in that situation to have that luxury yet in life. I'm still getting to that point where I can have my business on autopilot so I can produce 20 pieces of art a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But right now, like, yeah, I can produce a lot of art. <laughs> I can. Shit, here I am, like one painting every fucking three months. <laughs> like, 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 I look at it like this, like you have mixtapes and you got albums, right? Okay. A, a motherfucker can drop a little mixtape song. He can drop that shit. And why you doing it? Why you drop, why rap and drop mixtape songs? To stay relevant. Yeah, yeah. Just to stay relevant. Yeah. Our artists need to feel the same damn way about that ass because the attention span of people is low as hell. They'll forget mm -hmm. something. You, they'll forget about you. Quick. I believe in you drop something on their ass every day. Mm. Keep your shit in their face and make it a habit of seeing, seeing you like a McDonald's commercial. Right. I think of commercialism too. You don't have to art nowhere to be commercialism, but you can promote everything like in the same way that we do the American way to brainwash people. Because it pro marketing is really brainwashing somebody to buy a product. And yeah. if you keep seeing the product, you might want to taste it. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact, I don't, don't want no Burger King, but they showed the new the Whopper. I might want to taste it. They didn't show this shit about 20 times on while I'm looking at TV. It's brainwashing me to want to try the motherfucker. Yeah. I don't like this song on the radio, but damn, man, the jingle is going on and on. Now, guess what? I'm singing the song. I'm singing it. Don't even like it, but singing it. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things. If you want to be, if you're in the business to be, it's some people who just in the business, I want to make some art and make some money. And then you got some people who say, I want to make, art and become a millionaire that's the two different mind states mm -hmm. you know i just be it's, it's, it's like me being a mentor i just gotta find who on the mind state of millionaire shit and who on the mind state of just getting by mm -hmm. and that's nothing wrong with either one i just know i just need to know which one i'm working with so i know mm -hmm. how to provide what they need to whatever they feeling you know what i'm saying yeah so when you say millionaire are you thinking about that in like the abstract sense in that it's like uh, I'm trying to make like, as much money as possible, or is a, it? I'm a real millionaire, own land, property, assets, financial freedom for your family, breaking generational curse, millionaire. Not nothing abstract, like the real money. The and real, that, the real bank, the real the banking can get a million dollars. Real business. Okay. Yeah, because I'm asking because like I had this conversation with one of my last guests, and and I had. I had the millionaire thing as a goal for a while too. Um, yeah. But it, the, the reason is like what you said is that breaking that generational curse and, and making sure that my kids are, are secure. Like that's, that's, that no, that's why that number is significant. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And then once you get there, you realize that ain't shit. And you want <laughs> <laughs> Damn, the tech man. 
oh shit, uh, I gotta get more. You know what I'm saying? So it's that trap of American bullshit or capitalism. But I mean, yeah. we live in as a, as a, anybody, an adult, man or woman, it's adult. You gotta know how to maneuver in whatever world we live in. We live in a capitalist society. How I do you feel use- about that, man? In terms of uh, like a lot of artists are just pissed off that we live in a capitalist society, so they almost don't want to participate. Right? I see. Me, that's a me. I'm gonna be real. I know I might piss a lot of artists off, but to me, that's a cop out. If mm. you doing, if you, if you're an artist and you want and you showing your artwork publicly, why are you showing your artwork publicly for? Mm-hmm. Either to sell it or you want attention. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> who cares about attention? They struck your ego for people to see and say it's nice, or you want to make money from it. It's either two things. Right. If right. You, because you can be an artist, artist, and and you don't have to show nobody your work, but you show your people your work. Because some all artists got an ego, a part of their sub, the ego self selling them. Like I'm nice, and I want people to see it and tell me it's nice. Yeah. Or you want to be like I'm. I want to make some money from it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You got them two things. So everybody want to argue they're not capitalist, but man, everybody want to be able to. What's What's the point of? I want to. I wish I could go to Paris. You can't go to Paris. Mm-hmm. You need money to get there. Exactly. I would say I'm a spiritual capitalist. Because mm. I'm going to say I want to get as much money to to get freedom to help as many people as I possibly can on the spiritual That's the way side. I look at it, too. Yeah, like I really want to make as much money as possible because we live in America. And America is about how much money you got to buy your freedom. That's how mm-hmm. I look at it. You got to buy your freedom. The more money, I'm be realistic, bro. I'm from the hood, the gutter, the project born in the project, born projects came from zero money, probably negative money. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? In the world. And I didn't, and I didn't made it to a certain point where I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I want to get more. And I don't know yeah. if that's greed or, or whatever. I'm being honest. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I just know I want to get more. I want to be, I, I feel like I can really, like, I really want to get all my family in a good situation. And I know that's not my ability to try to get everybody in my family in a better situation. But at the same time, like it's just some in me that want to see everybody, you know, not have to struggle. It's that it's your conditioning. That's what you've been conditioned to feel. It's the show about. So we risk everything. We risk our own damn mental health and our own physical health, working and breaking our motherfucking backs to make sure that we making sure that everybody good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's that's just part of us what we believe that manhood is about. You're working to death. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's man, you know what I'm saying? So it's just a lot of deep programming we gotta learn how to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, for real. For real. Every father should be able to live a long ass life, not work to death. Um, Every father world should be able to do that. Like my pops used to say, like, you know, when I retired, that's when I'm going to, you know, do whatever I want to do. But he never made it to retirement, you know? So, yeah. Like, that's not, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really want to, I want to see retirement, bro. I'm trying to at least see retirement three years. Like, I really want to be able to, next three years, be able to just do what I want to do. And everything is run on autopilot. And I got a trusty staff that can let me be free. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't, I've been doing this a long, long time, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, so I'm ready. Chill for a little bit. 
that's the beauty of of what you're doing, like of of uplifting the uh, the future generation. I, I mean, my younger days, my ego was so big. I used to think, no way, I want to be in creative control of everything. I want to be able to do everything. But now, kind of like, no, I need I need some apprentices too, so that I don't have to do all this shit. Yeah, man, for real, man, for real. Well, my more thing about the apprentices is more about like I work said all I, I did use all this life mistakes i just don't want to go a waste okay yeah like on my thing like i don't want it to go a waste like i had to somebody had to go through all this shit learn this shit and what i'm supposed to do is just keep it to myself and die and then they still in the same situation i don't believe i live life i lived and got away with a more shit i got away with and did the things i did for me not to keep all the stuff to myself i gotta mm-hmm. share it all I suppose I think I supposed I live the life I supposed to live, and face the things I face. So I supposed to sh- share what I supposed to know. Mm-hmm. Know what I'm saying? Like, nah, bro. I seen you do it. I, I did it that way. I made a mistake. It cost me five years. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Of of in my career that I could have. If I did it this way, it probably I would have been where I need to be in a year's time. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So like, I, I see artists. They get you know they get impatient. They get antsy. And the whole thing is like, you want it now, fast, or you want it forever? You know, don't act like forever. I ain't been. There. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, oh, it's like for longevity, you have a name. You know what I'm saying? To not fuck mm-hmm. up your name or get started, to have a solid reputation. Because the artist got a solid reputation, bro. Mm-hmm. You want to already Artists already known as being crazy. So you don't got to <laughs> worry about the part. Art is crazy already, right? So you don't got to worry about the crazy part. You just got to be, if the crazy worth dealing with you. Mm-hmm. You understand? I can look at everybody's shortcomings, everybody's shortcomings as an artist. I can look at it, overcome everything. I just got to learn them. and like, okay, well, this person is not good at this, but they super good at this. To build their self-esteem up, I'm going I'm to I'm put them in the things that they're good at. I'm not going to try to put them in things they're not good at. I'm not going to put them in situations they're not good at, even though they're going to have to get used to being in situations they're not good at either and adapt to it. But I'm not going to, like, break their spirit and try not to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm really going to put everybody – I'll just study my team, and I'm like, okay, this person's good at this. They're good at that. I'm going to put them together to make the perfect engine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then – Oh, it's everybody. Look, I gotta make myself valuable. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody really needs an apprentice. Mm-hmm. You really don't need one. It's less headache. Mm-hmm. You just pay somebody to clean up, and then less apprentices mean less mess anyway, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just more like, about the paying it forward uh, than yeah, it is about I, the actual. Yeah, I don't want. No, I don't want my style of tattooing to die. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. To die away when I gone. When I can't do more tattoos, I'm old and shit, and I can't do it. I want somebody else to be able to take my shit and evolve it, change it, and make it doper than my shit. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like I want people to take that shit and move with it, man, and 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 go crazy with it. I want my shit to die with me. Mm-hmm. That's a waste. Yeah, yeah, for real. And so, business wise, same way. I don't want that shit to waste. I want to share what I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the, that's the only that's how people. Um, <laughs> I'm going in another circle, but like, I I saw this pop up on Twitter the other day about black nepotism versus other kinds of nepotism, and sometimes 
I'm not against nepotism because I'm like, that's how we survive. Like, that's how we, like, we look out for each other. Like, you know, how you pass that information on, you find somebody that you respect that's young, younger coming up and you drop some jewels on them. I mean, you could look at that as nepotism because um, you're passing on these information to them, you're passing on opportunities to them that they might not have gotten otherwise. Um, but that's how, that's how oppressors have continued to evolve and, and keep us down for, for this long. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Teach, teach, uh, teach not nobody, nobody not, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm gonna ask you one more question. What are you listening to right now, music-wise? I've been on that little dirt. Okay, okay. Yeah, I like that kid. Nice, I like nice. that. I like that kid, man. I like that kid a lot. I like uh, the, I listened to the Dream uh, Bill mixtape. I'm from okay. North Carolina. It was riding because they from Carolina. So right. man, I I fuck with that shit. That shit was hard. And but I don't know. I like I'm on that. I'm on that dirt right now, though, man. That shit riding for me, boy. Okay. I can I can feel that little. I can feel he went through some shit. You know. Oh, I can definitely. feel. Definitely. I like that shit. I like drill music anyway, even though it's the most niggerous bullshit sometimes. But I do like drill music. But I also like he can he know how to balance drill music out with 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 it when it makes sense and you understand the mentality of what these young people got to go through in Chicago. So I I, I, I that man, it just bring yeah. me in the energy of the environment through his music. So I can I, I don't know I like anything real and honest and pure, and I can mm-hmm. feel it. I can think his music is pure even though I don't have to agree with everything. Uh, right. I, I, it's a young man's mentality in that environment. I can respect it because I've been there. So I like his music. I like Lil Dirt. That's a, that's a real nigga. I like him. Okay. I, I've been, I, there, was a, there was a part of me like for a while that was a little embarrassing and uh, conflicted by my feelings about that because I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I gravitate towards that kind of music a lot more than like, anything bubblegum and happy even though lately i have actually been kind of listening to a lot more pop music but like the stuff i tend to like is that grimy shit because it takes me to a certain place like it feels authentic it feels like it came from a real thing it, it doesn't feel like contrived or whatever um and i i can appreciate that pain tapping into that pain like that, mm-hmm. that they do like yeah but again i also morally i don't agree with it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he really, yeah, he really know how to tap into that. He really tap into that energy, and I fuck mm-hmm. with it. I like it. I like Kodak too. Okay. Yeah, I like Kodak. Kodak. Yeah, he just needed. He just he needed. He just need like what um, J Cole said. He just needs some little somebody to look out for him. Tell him you know not to fuck up and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause he, got he good man. He good. But that's with with a lot of them, man. Like, like Crit. That's my brother. Big Crit? Yeah, that's like mm-hmm. my little brother. That's like a brother of mine. Like, like that's my heart. I love that nigga. Yeah, fuck with Crit. Yeah, I oh, fuck with Crit. Uh, and cool. I like Raw. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. But, like, man, Raw's fit make me feel like when I listen to Raw, he put in the mind state like, hell yeah, bro. I feel you. Because you didn't came up. You know what I'm saying? He's like in my peer group. So I can just feel that I can feel like 
Yeah, man, I can feel that shit in my soul, man. Cause I'm like, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, man. He make you feel like I got it too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like get your white yeah. linens on, your just your cigar. Just make you feel like I don't know. He like he deserved that shit. He worked, you know, and make you feel I don't know. I fuck with Ross the long way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm with that too. Uh that that luxurious rap. Uh who do you think um, does uh, drug rap better, uh, him or Pusha T? Or luxurious rap, I should say. Uh, Pusha, well, you say, well, I don't know, luxurious? I don't know, that's Ross. Because he he more, he more, when I think of like a nigga who really living it, I can see him like surrounded by women, the bathtub nigga bubbling with his mm-hmm. blunt. Like he, like he living like a boss. Mm-hmm. Pusha T, I'm thinking like, man, nigga, like, I mean, I like Pusha. Don't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's the best at cocaine rap, in my opinion. Period. Like, yeah. And Pusha on cocaine, on cocaine shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was, he, he was the best on top. For, for number one is Jay Z, in my opinion, when it comes to that. Oh, yeah. Then would be, you know, I don't know Jeezy. Then, then, then Pusha mm-hmm. on that cocaine. But yeah, that luxury shit. I don't know, man. Ross got that shit locked. That's true. That's true. Like every single beat is just is it, and his flow just kind of like he, he it seems effortless. On the, on the, yeah. 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 All right, man. So, um, well, I'm um, obviously uh, this is an international audience, so people can't. Yeah, Kanye crazy. I fuck with Kanye though. That's still my favorite. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I still love Kanye, man. I like Kanye, man. I'm really big on like seeing an artist. Like, I don't know, he is fucked up. You know how you can't stop seeing a car, like you, you drive and see a car wreck, you slow down a little bit, look at it. Like, what made Picasso great? Like, mm-hmm. what, what made Basquiat and Andy Warhol great? Well, they're all flawed individuals. It was just the craziest personalities that we yeah. attracted. Like, damn, man, imagine, you know, like, you can, like, is Kanye is one of those, he's one of those great people on earth, like an Andy Warhol, a Picasso, mm-hmm. you put in that category of just insane genius. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a thin line, bro. It's a real thin line. Yeah. So we're getting to see it. Jay-Z, the only one that can kept kept his cool together. I just think you just credit that. I don't think if he had like a like if he didn't have a mind state of being the type of motherfucker he is, he'd probably be crazy just like uh Kanye would be. If he, he, you know what I'm saying? I it think Jay-Z's his business mind is so sharp that yeah, he does a good job to lock it down. He's not going to go crazy because he's not going to even get in tune with his emotions that much to go crazy like Kanye would. You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay-Z, the nigga, seemed like he's going to suppress his emotions. We listened to the last album. That's what he was talking about. First time you ever heard Jay-Z be a human being was on the last album of his, the last album. Yeah. He always dropped one song of his humanity. Two maybe, mm-hmm. maybe song cry whatever or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Few yeah. one or two album, but this whole album he he channeled his flaws as a human being. He's going through therapy and shit. That shit was nice, man. Yeah, yeah. go back and listen to it and think about it, like damn, to just get Jay Z transition as a man has been really pretty amazing, man. One of the most beautiful things I witnessed in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I realized too is his his music was the first time I had ever heard the the name Basquiat, and I had not like it. I didn't it didn't register to me until like 
just recently that I'm like, oh shit, he's been rapping about Basquiat for a minute. And I went to art school and never heard this guy's name in the school once, you know? That's, yeah, crazy. that's crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you ever watched the Radiant Child, a documentary, watch that documentary. I, I did, I had that actually. Oh yeah, I love that documentary, bro. It's shit fucking fly. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, he, um, I, I, yeah, I really connected with with uh, with Basquiat for sure, and I was like, God damn! Like, I wish I knew who this dude was when I was a confused teenager trying to figure out what I yeah, wanted I grew, to do as an artist. Grew up in the Basquiat era. I was in the '80s, so he was like the inspiration from when I was a kid watching MTV, and he was on them. You know, he was doing the commercials. He was like mm. doing the fashion shows. You know what I'm saying? He was with mm. Gil, uh, uh, Keith Haring all the time. She was right. fly, bro. Yeah, so I was just like, yeah. I mean, I had a, I had an example of seeing somebody come from, well, he was came from money. He chose to be homeless. Let's get that yeah, straight. Which is bizarre, like, <laughs> but you know, he did his thing. But he came up to be a millionaire on his own. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's, and, I mean, even though he died a tragic death, but we still got to see example of what was possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And what that's not. A- to, and not how to let people use you. And like, it just, it was just, a, his life was a, in that short period of time, that seven years that he did art was a, was a, all the lessons you need and not what to do and what not to do as a black artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like pure, a pure example of what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it showed that it's possible to be at the top, top of the world, but also be, be, be wary of some of these white allies who, who come along because they're, they're, they're trying to ride your coattails for a reason. So watch out for that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. You watch the show Atlanta? You know what? Um, I I haven't watched the latest season, but I I'm I'm one of I was late to it, so I started watching it probably like in the the last season when it came oh. out. Man, oh man, boy, that last episode, boy, is is pure brilliance, man. God, oh my god, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a dope show because like it's funny, but then it's also dark, and and then it's it's like it it feels, um, it feels like more of a black experience that I understand in certain in the sense that you're always kind of dealing with both these like funny, weird situations, but then sometimes shit pops off and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> this, this, this season is real crazy and artistic. Okay. This, okay. This artistic it ever been. Yeah, mm. it's really, really good. Actually, yeah, and, and um, I'm, I'm forgetting his real name, Childish Gambino. Uh, he's another Atlanta, Dude, that like, yeah, um, just a, a whole different flavor to what it means to be a black man uh, in hip hop and, and and in the world and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I just like seeing those different examples. You forget he from Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, Maya. So I gotta go. I can hear my kids calling me in the back. Um, yeah, this, was, this was uh, amazing. Thank you very much for, for being so open. I don't know that. Um, 
Yeah, and good luck. What's Hope you that? get to come. You think you can make it to the show? Where you at? You in Canada, you said? Yeah, I'm in Canada, man. Okay. <laughs> Canada, man. Me and my boy L. Hey. What part of Canada you at? Uh, Nova Scotia, Hal- uh, Halifax. Where's that in there? Where's what? That's uh, the East Coast, the like far uh, East Coast. Damn, I want to come to Canada, man. Yeah, it, it's cool, man. It's cool. It's a, it's a nice creative community up here, actually. Um, uh, this part of Nova Scotia, actually, we have, well, Canada, we have the, the largest, like, indigenous black community, apparently. Uh, wow. From, yeah, yeah. So, Dang. like, when when uh, the um, the uh, Underground Railroad stuff was going on, like, a lot of them came and settled up here. Oh, wow, that's dope. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn. So, okay. Yeah. I'm new history. I want to come up there and learn some more, man. But thank you, brother, man. Get back to your kids, man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, I'll let you, I'll drop you um, a line when the episode goes out. Actually, I need um, a headshot and some of your artwork samples, whatever you want to send me. Oh, shit, man. You can grab some off Instagram. <laughs> okay. Just, just grab whatever. Yeah, man. It's your show, man. I want you to pick what you like. Okay. I don't cool. like to see other people going to pick anyway. It made me more like more sight to see what they, what headshots they take from my pictures or what, what drawings or paints or tattoos. I really want interesting, you know. Okay. Actually, the, the show, um, is that photography? What kind of art is it that you're oh, I'm doing? It's, it's mixed media. It's paintings. Okay. Okay. It's so paintings. Those images are just like teasers. They're not like what yeah, the just, art's gonna look like. Ah, no, nah, they're just teasers, man. That's just random me taking notes and like, uh, dang, I got these bullets. I'm working on, with these bullets on this piece. Let me write my notes down. Write the notes down. Take a picture of it, and that's it. That's just sketchbooks and my journals and shit. Yeah, that's like it's showing us what the mood is, where, where you're at, like when you're yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Get people get. Get people upset, get some people understand this. Whoever got it, got it. Ones who don't, don't. That's what mm. it's about. Kind of stir up some shit, man. Okay. And I'm okay. like, I'm tired of these artists, a lot of these artists do all this street ass art, but ain't did nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's like the uh-huh. same thing with the rap community, man. Niggas be rapping and they ain't did no sh- none, none of that shit. And did none of it. And you got mm. artists that be doing the same thing, doing all these drawings and shit. That's why that shit feel fake, because they ain't did nothing. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. Come on, man. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> so my shit right. really when you see my shit, it's gonna be real shit. So like you gonna see you see them guns busting in these pieces, they really was busting, bro. Ain't nothing to fake about the art, bro. It ain't nothing to be pretty, it's gonna be beautiful, but it's real. Just an Atlanta drill. <laughs> I love yeah, the drill painting. I don't know what the style gonna be, man. It's gonna be something named something, man. Cause I don't think nobody ever did no, no from the hood point of view. I was a jack boy, so it's from the point of view of robbery and and, okay. and just getting it, and you know what I'm saying, and you know, mm-hmm. dope and all kinds of shit. You know what I'm saying, man. Like at y'all the same time, at the same time, it's gonna be beautiful. It ain't no bullshit. It's gonna be beautiful too. Mm-hmm. I want to see that because, like, that is something like you hear it all the time from a music standpoint. 
have not seen yeah. that from yeah. the arts. From video standpoint, I want to be the I want to be the first one. I really was out here doing it, and I really and I and my life is really not that no more. And I want to say almost like a goodbye to it. You know what I'm saying? Like this mm-hmm. is my exit out of saying like, yeah, man, I don't want to bust no more guns, man. Like mm-hmm. I don't want. I, if I if I I really wish I had a life where I didn't even have to carry one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm on that I'm on that way, bro. Like I really I don't want to. Uh, have to, I don't really want to have to hurt a little nigga or do something to him. You know, that's just I don't want to have to do that shit. Yeah, uh, you all. know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna lie. I'm gonna ask you one more question. So, okay, uh, it might it, right now in my in my in Bermuda, like guns, guns are illegal. But in this last few years, this last generation, these guys are getting to find ways to get guns, and mm-hmm. uh, people. You know, my friend's kid just got killed the other day, and it's like, in in your mind, and I, I'm I'm not really understanding the mentality here. In your mind, are, are some of these guys like really not wanting to live this life and feeling like it's a necessity, uh, or is it like some guys just really just it is it's it's play play for them? Man, so what I'm what I'm learning, man, like. It's always a group of people who were born and raised in that shit. You become mm-hmm. your environment. You got mm-hmm. some of these kids who ain't never had to struggle a day in their life who just turned on by the streets. They, yeah. I don't know if it's influenced by the music, influenced by media. It, it's something like as a young black male to show your masculinity, you got you gotta be on more of the street side to feel like mm-hmm. you, you know, like I don't know, man. It's just like I don't know. It seems like to right now. It's a mix between the real struggle and then a lot of programming. Cause right. I know a lot, like I just, you ain't the only one, man. My friends, man, like just last week, two of my friends lost their kids, two. Mm. You know what I'm saying like two, two of my friends lost their sons, two different yeah. states. You know what I'm saying? And then this summer, I don't know, man. I lost, I don't know, man, at least five different, uh, my friends, like people I grew up with lost their children, at least five of them. So it's just like, yeah, it's a it's a problem. And this is what reason, you know, like I'm thinking about it consciously, like, yeah, man, like we really like we really gotta change our mentality. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because a lot of these kids don't even have to like you can really enjoy life, man. Life is really dope. And I wish somebody was telling me how dope life was when I was younger. Like I thought everything was about the struggle. But man, shit, man, it feels good to be able to try new food or you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. talk to a woman from England, or you know what I'm saying, and get they mm-hmm. just like have an intellectual conversation. Nothing wrong with that shit, man. You know, I was more on, life than your block. Yeah, bro, I was on some nigga shit, man. Like not letting women in. Women the one who turn on the music and art the most. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm calling women just at night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, time, not understanding. Uh, just just a whole bunch of bullshit, man. You know, yeah. I was on. I'll live by the gun, die by the gun. That's my mentality, bro. Mm. Tolerate no disrespect. Because you don't know mm-hmm. how to deal with disrespect. You know, if you feel like somebody disrespect you, you shouldn't even get to the point where you want to kill a motherfucker, but it gets to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the mentality, a lot of times, is you might even have to do nothing. You might be somebody connected to. I know when I was in the streets, if I couldn't get you, your boy right there, y'all friends, I don't care who it is. Whoever down with you, down with you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how was you down with them you down with them mm-hmm. so that's yeah. how i looked at 
a lot of people that feel the same way. And I'm just like, damn, that's stupid as hell, man, that, you know, I would punish somebody else for their affiliation with somebody because I have a disagreement with them. You got to sit right. back and start thinking about shit. How stupid yeah. something can be. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm glad I was always too much of a chicken shit to get involved in any of that, man. <laughs> and I, I, was, I probably should have just stuck with art most of the time, man, but I was getting so, like, I did so much art that, you know, like any young man, and you hear the story, the streets is appealing, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And once you it, man, you in it. And it was just a time where I like it off and had to be thankful, like, damn, man, like, I had some great women help raise me, man. What the fuck am I here doing? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Had to be self-reflect and take accountability. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, and uh, yeah, man. Good luck with the show and all that good stuff. And good luck with your with your new your new bag that's coming. <laughs> Very excited. Yeah. New projects. Yes. New projects, man. Yes. Yes. Cool. Peace. Peace, brother. Peace. Blessings. Yes. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.